I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. All right. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us as always. Today, I've got a very special episode. Special guest here, Dr. Alessandro Porcella from the American Biodental Clinic in Tijuana, Mexico. Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here and join you guys and, you know, get the message across about holistic dentistry and everything we're doing here at the clinic. Yeah, and I think your story is pretty interesting, Alessandro. If you'd like to just kind of give us the very brief, because you kind of grew up in a clinic, right? Like your, your dad founded the American Biodental Clinic. That's pretty cool to me. I mean, my dad was in radio. It was kind of cool, but it, it didn't, unless I went into radio, it didn't give me much of a foundation here, but yeah, you yeah. came up with this. So how, how did that turn out? Yeah. Um, you know, it's an interesting story. Uh, my dad uh, originally started off as a jeweler and then went into working with an MD in LA managing clinics. And then years later, it went into the dental field. So our clinic, American Biodental Center, has been around for 24 years. Uh, when my dad founded it, he founded it originally as just kind of a standard dental clinic. Um, and then one of our first patients, you know, started talking about holistic dentistry and started mentioning all these other things we had never heard about, like removing mercury safely, you know, and removing things like root canals and kind of that. That's that was my my dad's kind of introduction um, into the holistic dentistry side of it. He had always been into the holistic medicine, but the holistic dentistry specifically was a little bit newer. Well, um, he ended up going with our dental director to Colorado to meet uh, Dr. Hal Huggins, who's one of the pioneers of holistic dentistry. Um, he was the one or one of the ones that did the first and early research into mercury uh, fillings and the dangers they had with not only the patients, but with the doctors removing and placing them. Uh, he was a de dentist himself. And then from that, that's kind of what started our our journey into this world, working with him and other holistic dentists. Uh, we are in Tijuana, Mexico. So holistic dentistry in the U.S. is very expensive. Um, you know, uh, dental in general is expensive, but holistic dentistry is expensive. So uh, the whole, a lot of our early patients, and even to this day, the vast majority of our patients come from the U.S. They come from Canada. Um, because they can't afford the prices in the U.S. or Canada. And then they'll come with us, get the work done. 
And, you know, over the years, we've been kind of uh, expanding our services now also including medical. Um, so I grew up with that. Um, I grew up being in the clinic and kind of seeing how the clinic started growing and how new things started coming out in the holistic dentistry world and, you know, using your own plasma instead of synthetic bone graft, uh, using ozone, um, using um, vitamin C and chelations uh, as a pre and post from treatments. And then when I, I actually went to study psychology when I was in college and I was going to go down that route and I love psychology, but I had, I just, I didn't know if I wanted to become a psychologist. So I took a year off, came to help out at the clinic. Um, this was in 2012 and then ended up staying for seven years full time, loved it. The clinic grew in that time. We added in medical and uh, finally, a few years ago, I decided to go back to school um, because I always wanted to do a, kind of a higher education, a master's or a doctorate. And I actually, um, one of our patients informed me about naturopathic medicine and becoming a naturopathic doctor. And that kind of opened up a whole new area for me. And um, I went back to school, uh, did medical school, became a naturopathic doctor, and now rejoining the clinic and luckily i've seen the growth of the clinic now working not just with dentists but medical doctors naturopathic doctors acupuncturists chiropractors and seeing the difference in people when you start combining all these different areas together and not just you know removing a tooth and you know or an infected tooth or removing the mercury but actually doing more um, treating the whole body, you know, naturopathic medicine, we have, you know, treat the whole. Um, so that's what we've been doing. And we've been having really amazing results. And unfortunately, dealing with a lot of US and Canadian patients, um, you're dealing with a lot of, I want to say like misinformation, or um, things that are recommended in the States, which a lot of times are more influenced by insurance than actually necessity of the patient. So luckily here, we have a little bit more more room to kind of work with that too. In naturopathic school, did they teach you anything about the, the teeth stuff? Did they teach you about mercury fillings, the correct order to remove them and root canals? So we didn't learn to that extent in uh, like in what order to remove it and everything. That's more from our uh, holistic dentistry training that we, we've been doing over the years. But we did look at uh, root canals, fillings. Uh, we did look at also a lot of kind of periodontal issues that are now being associated with, you know, major studies uh, with cardiovascular conditions, with uh, GI conditions, even skin conditions. That part we did look into naturopathic medicine. I mean, part of what they taught us for you know, like a first time patient uh, physical exam is to look in the mouth. Usually you go to your family medicine doctor or your just your general kind of MD. The mouth is a lot of times overlooked, um, but, the you know, they check your heart, listen to your lungs, you know, check your your abdomen. But, you know, they do teach us to look into the mouth, look at the teeth, see if there's cavities, see the condition of the, of the gums. Um, the tongue, you know, if you look at Chinese medicine, they look a lot at the tongue, the color of the tongue, the shape of the tongue, 
you know, are there certain grooves on the tongue? Um, because it does tell you a lot. So in naturopathic medicine, we did look at that. The more technical part of, you know, removing the fillings, how you remove them, all that, that's more dental. So we, I know it personally from working in the dental field. Um, not a dentist, but I've been around enough to, you know, know the techniques and know how it's done. I just don't do it myself. I got shaky hands. You don't want me anywhere near your your mouth with a drill. But the dentists that we have here, obviously, they are really well trained. All of our dentists that we hire are doctors that had, um, uh, you know, some experience already in general dentistry because they're not taught the holistic side of it. And then they go through a period, usually at least like six months, where we have them shadowing our dental director. Um, he does very hands-on teaching them what the protocol is, how to do it, how to remove a filling, what you do to protect the patient and protect yourself. And the same we do with our surgeons when they do extractions of root canals or infections. They do very hands-on with new doctors when they're starting with us. And then we slowly kind of integrate them to see their own patients. And um, we've been doing that for you know, basically the 24 years that we've been here um, with really good results, which means, you know, all of our staff follows the same protocols. They follow the same uh, philosophy. When we're hiring new doctors, we tell them off the bat, you know, we're holistic. That means we don't do this. We don't do this. We do this. We believe in this. Do you align with that? And we've actually had people, you know, dentists say, oh, you know, I don't believe in that. I think mercury fillings are fine. They've been used for, you know, years. And then we say, okay, well, you know, nice meeting you. Um, so we do, we are a little picky with who we hire, you know, not just looking at their technique, but we want to make sure their philosophy goes with ours and they're interested in what we're doing and learning more about it. Usually those that are a little bit skeptical, once they start learning more about it and they, they learn there's actually research behind it. And they start seeing, even in their training, they start seeing the results of it. Um, they immediately become, you know, believers. They're like, holy crap, you know, they never taught me this. Or they taught me this was just a little shadow on an x-ray. And here I'm seeing it's actually like infected bone. And then they see the patients come back three, four months later for a follow-up. And the patient looks different. Their face, their skin, you know, they tell you their aches and pains are gone just from that. Once they see that, I mean, they're they're essentially all in on what we do, holistic dentistry, and not just, you know, like I mentioned, the clinic has dental and medical, so not just holistic dentistry, but start looking at the integrative medicine side of it too, where we add on, you know, different IVs, we do things like chelations, we work um, with stem cells here. And once you start kind of doing the full picture of it, you do get really amazing results and you do get people that are just completely, you know, completely surprised by the the results they have from sometimes just doing some small thing in their mouth um, that they've had there for 10, 20 or 30 years. Yeah, it's very interesting that your doctor never checks your teeth. Meanwhile, it was like 100 years ago that Dr. Weston A. Price proved mm -hmm. that dental health is a solid marker of health in general, that people who had bad teeth also had bad health and vice versa. Those who had fine teeth had never heard of many of the diseases he was looking for. So yeah. uh, you said some interesting things here. 
one of the things you said was that when you're removing the fillings, you have to train on how to do it safely for the dentist as well. And mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting that Hal Huggins, you mentioned him. We've done a Hal Huggins episode here on, on Mercury Fillings audience. You can check that out if you haven't seen it. But Hal Huggins said that the American Dental Association, the ADA, they think that sarcastically here, the only safe place to store mercury is in a patient's mouth because there's all these safety procedures when it's being stored, when it's being turned into the amalgam itself, right? You got to wear hazard material and all that stuff. So how do you protect the dentist from that? And what do you do with the fillings afterwards? Is it toxic waste or what? Yeah, yeah, it's essentially it's toxic waste. I mean, it's not something you just throw in the trash. We we have a, a company that essentially comes and collects all the the toxic waste for us, you know. And and it's funny because they, like you said, it's it's safe for the mouth, but you know, there's a whole safety procedure and transporting it, putting it in your mouth, and then removing it and taking it out and disposing of it. But for some reason, it's safe to just leave in your mouth for years and years, you know. Um, the big thing was, why was it popular? Well, one, because back, you know, years ago, obviously, different types of uh, health standards, um, or even just knowledge, but the composite fillings weren't that strong, they were um, not easy to use. And, you know, the mercury fillings, the the silver amalgams that later on became known as, um, they're easy to mold. You can easily shape it, put it, and you kind of, you can work with it really easily. So that's why they were popular. But now there's all these other composites and fillings that are stronger, they're safer, they're as low in toxicity as you can get like a synthetic material. They look nice, they fit perfectly. And now you start seeing, you know, there's more talk about mercury fillings. They, they, the ADA won't say, you know, they're bad. But there is new in the last few years, they've started saying, oh, maybe we shouldn't put them in kids or maybe we shouldn't put them in pregnant mothers. They're not recommended for that, you know, and you'll see slowly they'll be phased out. So one of the most dangerous things and and you will honestly, probably one of the biggest things you'll hear conventional dentists say is, well, it's more dangerous to remove the filling than to leave it in. And it's like, well, that's if you remove it conventionally where you just drill out like if it was any other filling and every you know the vapors go everywhere chunks of it get go into your saliva people swallow it and then they're swallowing chunks of mercury yeah obviously if you do it that way but if you follow the protocols um set down by there's different organizations or originally you know how huggins had his uh right now it's the uh, iaomt is one of the big organizations that has uh, essentially similar protocols but what you're doing is you're protecting the patient so simple things i'm sure you talked about this in the other episode in a little bit more detail but for those that haven't seen it with mercury fillings you're essentially covering the mouth with like a it's called a rubber dam so essentially like a, a plastic where only the teeth that are being worked on are exposed when you're drilling now, all the water, all the little chunks get caught there and then immediately get suctioned up, right? At the same time, the patient has oxygen. So they're breathing in oxygen. Or it's to reduce the vapor. And uh, you have things like ionizers. You have a, a giant like suction um, that's picking up all the residual vapor in the air. Uh, and then the, the doctors and, and the assistants are also wearing protective coverings and protecting 
uh, masks. So all of that is to reduce the exposure because you might have a patient come in and have one little mercury filling. And if you remove that one mercury filling, you know, more than likely, they're not going to have a big, obviously, serious issue if they were to breathe in a little bit of mercury. You know, everyone's different, obviously. But the doctor and the assistant, they're removing one mercury filling, you know, 10 times a day and over the years, and they actually start getting the neurological problems. They start getting, um, it's been linked to irritability. Some even say, although I don't think this has ever been tested, but, you know, dentists have one of the highest suicide rates for professions. Um, And there's a lot of talk, at least back in the day, that it might have been related to the usage of mercury fillings. Besides that, it's a very stressful job. So all of that that we do is to protect the patient and at the same time also protect our staff, because if anyone's being exposed to more mercury, it's also the staff that's, you know, seeing multiple patients or removing multiple ones throughout their lifetime. Um, so here at our clinic, you know, we've done like chelations on our staff. We do uh, metal testing here too, both for patients and we've done them for our staff. And obviously we invest in our clinic to have the proper equipment and proper filtrations. And we're always checking on that. But most clinics and most doctors don't do that. So you you end up going to places that are essentially contaminated by all the mercury that's been removed and placed and, you know, just kind of dealt with over the years. Tell us about root canals. What exactly is it? There's some there's some confusion. What exactly is the problem? And what do you guys do about it? So root canals, uh, I would say mercury fillings is something that over time has been more aware of and more kind of slowly being phased out quietly in some places. But root canals is the other one that is a big contributor. We we believe and we've seen to, to your health. There's a lot of confusion around root canals because some people don't realize what a root canal is. And, you know, your doctor will just say, hey, you need a root canal and a crown. And people think like, oh, it's just the process to get a crown, but it's actually two separate procedures. For those that don't know, a root canal is usually done, well, it's supposed to be done, at least conventionally, for when there is essentially an infection or something on the tooth that you can no longer kind of fix, but you want to keep the tooth there, right? Unfortunately, we see a lot of times root canals being done because the patient had a little bit of sensitivity and they had like a little cavity and things like that. That's that's a whole other thing that we can kind of get to. But the root canal procedure, what it does is you have the tooth and then they essentially kind of drill into the tooth. They go inside the tooth, you different ones, you know, one have one root, uh, others have two or three. And in those roots inside the tooth, you have your nerves, blood vessels, uh, arteries and veins that supply blood to the tooth and take out the waste. Um, In the case of the nerve, it's also what provides, you know, the nerve conduction for it. Because the tooth is a a living organ. Oh, yeah. I mean, in school, they they teach us that a tooth is an organ. You know, it's not as big and as complex as, say, your kidney or your liver. But each tooth is its own little organ. 
um, if you look at the definition of an organ, you know, it's different tissues coming together to different types of tissue coming together to do a function. Um, that's a tooth. The tooth is a separate little thing that's connected with the blood and nerve vessels and, you know, attached to the bone by ligaments, similar to any other organ in the body. So with the root canal procedure, what they do is they go in and they actually sever all of that. And if you ever, you can look up now everything on YouTube, look up how a root canal procedure is done. They, they go in and they literally like shred the nerve and the blood vessels all the way down to the root. If there's an infection, then that's what they use to kind of go into the bone and kind of clean out. And then they essentially put um, a material in there to seal the inside of the tooth. Obviously, by drilling into the top of the tooth, you usually fracture the tooth. And that's why usually with root canals, you end up getting a crown on top. At that moment, that tooth is dead. It has no blood vessels supplying blood in and out of it. It has no nerve. It's become detached essentially from the, your your system, from your body. It's attached physically, but your body doesn't know what's going on inside. It can't provide it nutrients. It can't remove toxins. It can't do anything. There are different types of materials that are also used to pack in there. Uh, usually the more common ones have um, some metal and some things essentially like bleach are kind of used to clean out the tooth before they pack it. But that sealed tooth remains there. And root canals are one of the few procedures done in essentially all medicine where a dead organ is left in the body. You're just dead tissue in general. You know, usually when something becomes necrotic, doctors cut it off, burn it off, but they remove it. The thing about the root canals is it leaves a tooth there that you know, you don't have to deal with implants, you don't have to do a uh, removal partial. And obviously, in conventional um, dentistry, it's not taught as being bad or harmful. So it's not necessarily that your dentist is doing something to harm you on purpose. It's just kind of what they're taught. But more and more research is coming out that, you know, they do have these long term effects. Why? Because it's a dead tooth. And the root canals are going to decay you normally don't see it because there's a crown on top of it. But it, usually when you remove a crown from an older root canal, what you find is like a black stump that's there. And root canals go out one of two ways. They either get reinfected. Sometimes they have to be redone once or twice by your dentist. And then it gets to a point they can be redone and then they get removed. And usually when they get infected once, the reinfection happens pretty quickly. Um, it doesn't last as long or because it becomes so brittled and essentially rotten that when you bite down one day, it cracks and then you're just left with the broken root there, which has to be surgically removed. Root canals, even though they might not seem like there's a major infection there, if you look and study the anatomy of a tooth, it's a, it's a tubules. It's a bunch of like little caverns that the tooth has. So it doesn't matter how well you pack it and seal it internally. It has a lot of space for bacteria to get in there. And once bacteria kind of get in, gets in and replicates, your body doesn't know what's going on because you severed all the blood and nerve vessels into it. So your body can only respond to what's coming out. Uh, which is the bacteria, which is the toxins it produces. There's aerobic and anaerobic bacteria. 
you know, there's certain labs um, um, that you can actually send out the root canal or, you know, like essentially like the biopsy of it, and they'll give you the breakdown of all the bacteria. And there's some scary stuff in there. Um, and a lot of those bacteria have been linked to other systemic health issues. So um, it's so bad that removing an old root canal, you're, it doesn't come out like a normal tooth because the bone starts like fusing to the root of it. Because again, it doesn't distinguish that it's a separate thing anymore. So it usually requires you going in and kind of scar or, or uh, digging out some of the bone and like making sure all that abnormal tissue or infected tissue is properly removed before you, you know, continue and seal it and, and suture it up. It's one of those things that it's done. Is it going to affect you right away? Some people do. Some people get root canals and right away they notice a change. They notice or just they have a lot of pain. They have a, they start getting more inflammation. Other people will have root canals 10, 20 years and doesn't seem like it's affecting them. But sometimes, you know, you'll remove a root canal and they're like, hey, you know what? I never thought about it, never associated it, but I always used to get headaches. And I just thought it was, you know, stress or it was just age. And now, you know, the last few months since I had the root canals taken out, I don't get them or I don't get them as bad or I don't get them as, you know, heavy. Another thing that's very common is when you get root canals up here, a lot of people start having uh, sinus issues. They start getting more recurrent sinus issues. They start getting um, sinus infections. And then they, all of a sudden they're taking antibiotics every so often. It's funny because there's a lot of research being done on the bacteria of the mouth uh, but more obviously looking at like periodontal gingivitis, things like that. But that's the same bacteria you find inside of root canals. Um, the only thing is you find it less on the gums and you find it more in the bone. So you guys have to also take extra steps to make sure that it is all disinfectant during this process. You guys use ozone. And did you say you yeah. do vitamin C before or after IV? Yeah. So um when a patient comes in, we do get a lot of patients that come in and say, hey, my doctor recommended uh, I need three root canals. And sometimes we'll look. And again, it's uh, something that can be fixed restoratively. It's something that is sometimes the gum just recedes and the roots exposed and it's sensitive. And obviously, when you do a root canal, you kill the tooth. It's not feeling anything. So that's the solution. But we find other ways to fix that. Now, in the case that someone already has a root canal or um, the tooth really is too far gone to where you can't fix it, then we move on to extractions. Uh, we do an extraction of the tooth or an extraction of the old root canal. What we do here is a surgery to essentially scrape the bone and the tissue around um, up until everything is healthy. And the doctors, when they do this, I mean, sometimes they're like scraping and scraping and it's not even bleeding because it's all like necrotic bone. And then once it starts bleeding, that's when they're like, okay, now we got to the healthy bone. And then they obviously clean a little bit further. Once all that's cleaned out, what we do here, we do ozone. We do ozone directly into the area. Ozone's a gas, but it has antimicrobial properties. It helps also with uh, the healing and circulation. So we do it directly into essentially the hole that's there. And then the ozone as a gas, it also doesn't just kind of stay there. It actually goes in, diffuses into the tissue around it. That's why it's so effective. Um, we do that. And then 
before the surgery, we draw a little bit of blood and we centrifuge it. And then we do um, what's called PRP and PRF. Um, and what it is, it's your own plasma from your own blood. Uh, it has all the platelets that help heal the tissue. We essentially make, it becomes like a little membrane or like a little gel and you pack it in there and then they suture it up. So that concentrates your own healing cells to reduce inflammation, pain, swelling, um, and then boost the regeneration of the tissue. Um, the bone heals better. It heals more than you would uh, heal, than it would heal normally. Um, the gums heal a lot quicker too. And I mean, we get we do major surgeries here because we get a lot of patients that unfortunately have gone through multiple doctors and specialists and tried many things. And then they get to the point, they just, they're not getting the solutions they need or their health isn't improving. And then they come to us. So with a lot of those patients, unfortunately, you know, you, you sometimes have to do major surgeries and, and a lot more work. Um, but we do sometimes some really major surgeries, remove some huge infections and then a patient comes in the next day and it's like, oh, I didn't have to take the pain medication, you know? And they're like, we're like, oh, okay, now we're used to it. We're like, okay, great. You know, by law, we have to recommend antibiotics, right? But to be honest with a lot of the little things that we do, um, and including, like you mentioned, the vitamin C, we do an IV of vitamin C usually to prepare for the surgery uh, when we remove metal, uh, the, the day of the surgery and the day after. And it boosts the immune system. It also provides support to the collagen that is used in all the tissues to regenerate too. So we get really good results with that combination. And um, patients come in and some of them don't take any medications. Obviously can recommend that, but um, they don't take any of like the post-op medications and they're fine because they don't have pain. If anything, most of our patients have like the discomfort the day of the surgery. And then the next day, they start feeling um, better and then it just, it stays sensitive, obviously, but you can start talking and basically having almost a, a normal life again, uh, even though you just had like major surgery. Um, obviously you still want to rest. You won't, you don't want to overdo it. But when you compare that to a lot of the conventional surgeries that are done, I mean, we see people have one tooth extracted conventionally and they're given like Vicodin and Valium and they're, you know, out for two, three days and they're sedated like crazy. And, you know, they, they have to take like a weekend off from just a tooth extraction. Um, when we do major surgeries and like in 48 hours, people are back at work and feeling great. But it's that whole combination that we do to kind of prep and then what we do during the surgery and then what we do in the follow-up the following day. And insurance doesn't pay for this, eh? So it's with us, we work well with American insurances that are PPO. They don't cover us uh, necessarily. What we have to do is, you know, our patients still pay, you know, what we charge. And then we felt help them fill out the a form and they submit it. Um, PPO insurances sometimes will cover uh, some things. But they won't they don't cover like the ozone, the vitamin C, they'll cover the surgical part of it or the the fillings and things like that, but not the not the whole treatment. But the other thing, I mean, the other reason they come to us is the prices. 
We are a third of the cost of the U.S. conventional dentist. And then compared to holistic dentistry in the U.S., we are from a third to, in certain procedures, a tenth of the cost. So we get people that, you know, send us their plans and it's $50,000 and they're like, hey, I want to go with you guys. And we're like, great. All the work comes out to be, you know, six, seven thousand and then plus stay here a few days in a uh, I didn't mention, but we're inside one of the main hotels of the city just and we're only 10 minutes across the border. Um, so you'll stay at a nice hotel and, you know, even the flight here and back and they, they end up spending maybe, you know, like eight thousand say for everything. And the plan included things like vitamin C, ozone, PRP or PRF. And then they're like, hey, you know, like my doctor was going to do less, not put the the safer biocompatible materials and charge me, you know, five times or six times more than what I paid here. So some a lot of our patients say that they say, you know what, I have insurance, but uh, I'll submit the form if I can and see what I can, you know, what they'll reimburse. But at the end of the day, I'm still paying less and getting more. And, and yeah, it requires coming here. And I know for some people that's, you know, getting time off from work and everything, but we try to make it as easy as possible. We uh, pick up our patients at the San Diego airport and train station and on the uh, U.S. side of the border, if they're more locally and drive down, uh, bring you to the clinic. And then when you're done, we take you back. Um, so we try to facilitate as much as possible and make it as easy as possible for our patients. But um, like I said, we've been doing that for 24 years. And thankfully, you know, over that time, we've helped a lot of people. And we have a lot of patients that are patients of ours for 10, 15 years. Um, our dental director that's been with us that was trained by Dr. Huggins has been with us for 23 of the 24 years. His assistant's been with us also for that time. So we've what we've been doing has been helping a lot of people. It's been saving a lot of money. And, and you know, unfortunately, kind of like all things, once in the last few years when things become a little bit more popular and, you know, the, the trends start, you start seeing a lot of places advertising, oh, I do holistic dentistry too and this and that. and But they're also doing, you know, root canals um you know uh, unfortunately there's a lot of misinformation on that so i always say do your research if you know someone that's been to uh, either us or you know another clinic similar to us uh always better um because unfortunately there are a lot of places there's no one that regulates it so there's a lot of places that you know does a little research or stops using mercury fillings and starts using white fillings and they're like i'm holistic you know uh, <laughs> You really want to kind of research that too. But luckily, like I said, we've been here. We're one of, I think, only one or two in the area that have um, been around kind of this long and kind of followed similar protocols, although we've added um, other services like the medical um, and the chiropractic now. When you were listing earlier a bunch of symptoms that might possibly see relief from getting a filling removed, you said skin. Could you could you explain this? How uh, how could getting a filling removed affect your skin or some of those other systems that you mentioned? Because the immune yeah. system the immune system makes sense, right? You're getting mercury poisoning. You know, again, for those who haven't listened to the mercury episode, if they call it a silver filling, it's not silver. It's just it's fifty percent mercury. They just don't want to call it a mercury filling. So it's clear that if that is 
uh, evaporating out, off-gassing or um, dissipating, that that could affect your health because obviously mercury is bad for you. Everyone knows that except for dentists, or at least they 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 know that in every context except for being um, in your mouth. And the root canal thing makes sense as well. You've got anaerobic bacteria living there behind the sort of caulking that they put in there to to stuff up the holes, but the holes are too small, so bacteria can live in there. That can get into your blood. So th- that's obvious that it could be an immune problem, but how could this affect your your skin or any other system in the body? Yeah. So, I mean, well, one, you know, the mouth is entryway into the body, right? So, um, you know, even in the last few years, there was some studies that came out looking at, you know, we always hear about the gut microbiome, right? And that's the big thing right now is your gut, it's the microbiome, it has its own bacteria and how that affects the body. In naturopathic medicine, we, that was like, almost 99% of the conditions when people come in, it's we, we always look at the gut, you know, um, because there's always some connection, but there's also the oral microbiome, which is connected to the gut microbiome. And now, you know, even the last few years with, you know, um, COVID and everything, it was, they started talking about the lung microbiome, you know, which is also connected to your mouth. And you breathe through here and it passes through all that. So they find similar bacteria in those areas. So one, that's the entryway. So if you have this infection in the mouth, you have, especially if it's gone to a point where it's an abscessing and it might not even be hurting. That's the, that's the big thing. With these infections in the bones at the root of the teeth, they don't always hurt. Um, a lot of times they hurt for a while and then they go away. And it's usually because the bacteria found like a access to oxygen or once they start hurting, you know, in the case of a root canal, it's not the tooth hurting, the tooth is dead, there's no nerve. It's the tissue that is around it fighting off this infection that's formed. But essentially, all that you end up taking into your body, right? In the case of mercury fillings, you have um, a lot of times thyroid issues, you know, and if you look at like thermographies, you see and with and with root canals too, you see this infection like red going down here. And what's it passing by your thyroid? What's one of the biggest things, you know, people are suffering from now, it's, you know, thyroid issues. Obviously, there's a lot of other factors, a lot of environmental and chemical factors, but I'm sure that's not helping, right? But the thing with bacteria, or the thing with infections, whether they're in the mouth and your toe and your, you know, gut, whatever, it causes inflammation in the body. And one of the first places you start seeing inflammation is one is sometimes musculoskeletal and two, it's in skin conditions. And, you know, using the gut microbiome as kind of uh, uh, probably where you would find the most research associated with it. But there's a lot of um, connections with like eczema and dysfunction in the gut. You know, some people and I saw it all the time when I was um yeah, during my schooling, and we were, we would uh, see patients with skin issues. A lot of time, it was like, oh, let's fix you know the the leaky gut, the the inflamed um, bowels, the the sensitivity to foods. And once you worked on that, sometimes without even really addressing the eczema directly, it would disappear or get better. And you kind of have the same thing going on with the mouth. The mouth has this inflammation that your body is constantly dealing with, it is constantly trying to remove it and fight it. So a lot of people start seeing uh, issues with their skin. Um, There are doctors that have done 
uh, that's something we we haven't done so much. We've seen it. We just haven't published it or, or kind of uh, recorded as much. But there's some doctors that have done a little bit more uh, where they do like before uh, before the procedure, their skin conditions, and then they remove some root canals. And then um, they do the follow-up and then you do see changes in skin. You, I mean, you see everything from changes in like acne to uh, eczema. You see a lot of that. And that the skin, you know, they associate the skin with a, kind of a reflection of deeper issues going on, right? You know, there's a whole uh, kind of philosophy in medicine that a lot of conditions start internally and then when they're not dealt with, they kind of kind of like an onion, they kind of go to the next layer and then to the next layer. And then what's the final layer is usually the skin. So usually when you start getting, you know, a lot of skin conditions, it's a result of a deeper issue. And then, you know, you got to kind of go and address those issues too. Otherwise, they'll just come back. Um, but in the case of dental, uh, especially things like, root canals, and I haven't mentioned it yet, but uh, cavitations, which I can go a little bit more into right now. But with that, we saw a lot in, in cancer. So we have some cancer patients here from in our medical side, but over the years, we've worked with cancer clinics in the area that do just cancer protocols. And they would send us, and they still send us their patients for the dental. And the reason being is because they see better results in their treatments once you remove the mercury, the infections in the mouth, the root canals. And we started seeing this connection where we, and we actually provide this to our patients when they come in as part of the uh, package, there are meridians in the body, right? So Chinese medicine uses acupuncture. Um, well, your teeth have meridians to certain organs in the body in certain areas. And usually when you're having an issue like on one tooth, you see something going on in that organ. Or if you have something in that organ, vice versa, you start having issues with that tooth. Well, we saw this a lot in the cancer patients. Again, you're probably not going to find a major study on this or anything like that. I'm just talking about clinical experience of not just me, but other doctors that we've talked to and other people that are in this area. Um, but you do see that a lot. You see issues, a root canal and a tooth associated with the large intestine, large intestines where they have their cancer. The one that we saw a lot with is uh, breast cancer. Um, teeth with root canals or infections associated with the, you know, right breast or left breast. And that's the one the, you know, the patient was being treated for in the in our clinic or in the other clinic. So it will surprise you the type of connections that you can kind of see. Um, at the end of the day, you know, not saying the one root canal in your mouth is the cause of all your health issues, not necessarily. Can it be? Sure. But we're also living in a world that we're so exposed to chemical sensitivities and synthetic materials and toxins from all over, right? And mold and all these other things but you know a lot of that's external that you take in if you have a root canal it's something internal that's just there kind of constantly you know um so it's something your body has to constantly fight off and deal with uh try to encapsulate it while also dealing with all the other external you know issues that the rest of the world is or at least here we're dealing with 
but you see skin conditions a lot you there's that connection with cancer you see a lot with gi like i mentioned a lot respiratory which makes sense kind of like i mentioned you know you have here and your sinuses are here again you have that connection with the lungs and a lot of autoimmune inflammatory conditions there's a lot of uh, you know aches and pains my knees hurt my hands hurt um, even though they didn't work in something where it were, where you would say like, oh, it's probably from overuse so many 30 years. That's why, yeah, you get people, young people in their 20s complaining like what you normally would hear from someone that was in their 60s. And then once you start addressing those issues, they see these improvements where they're like, hey, I never even thought that would be connected to it. And I was like, well, <laughs> sometimes you'd be surprised. So when I was uh, actually down there recently at the clinic with you, I was reading this big book at the time. It was the transcripts for uh, one of the Truth About Cancer documentary series. And several people in that uh, series said that root canals were possibly the most toxic thing that we could actually have in our environment. I think there's a good argument for that as well. Things like, you know, the formaldehyde in your carpet or your furniture that off gases for the first few years after it's new. Yes, I mean, that is problematic. It is an exposure, but it seems negligible compared to having anaerobic bacteria thriving purposefully in little, you know, sealed off capsules that you made for them with nothing to do other than dissolve your flesh, the flesh in your gums and your bones and live off of that flesh, basically. So I do yeah. think it's, it's highly, highly toxic. Mm hmm. And uh, it makes sense for any serious problem that that is involved. How do cavities come into this? You said earlier that they could do a root canal when it's just a small cavity. What's what's up with that? And uh, are cavities the same basic thing here? Is a root canal just gone further, rotted further or what? So um, cavities, well, they're separate from root canals. Uh, what I was mentioning by that is that Unfortunately, sometimes root canals are recommended when they're not really required. If you want to get into it, it can be from, you know, how the doctor was taught to insurances to obviously it leaves more money. You can charge more in insurance. Um, ethically, a million reasons, right? Right. But a lot of times people are recommended root canals and then they don't really need them. You know, um, like I mentioned, usually a root canal was recommended when it was kind of like the last option to the tooth. You know, you can't save the tooth. There's an infection. The The cavity is too big. And, you know, you don't want to remove the tooth. So you do the root canal and you put a crown on. But unfortunately, that standard is no longer kind of used from what we're seeing. It's it's for even the smallest little thing, people will be recommended a root canal and then put a crown on top of it, um, which is very unfortunate. So cavities, there's different grades, right? So you get a cavity and it's first a small, just kind of in the enamel. And it's just a little bit of decay where bacteria is eating away at the enamel. And then it starts growing. Now the enamel is the hardest substance in the body. It's not, and normally doesn't eat through the enamel that quickly. What happens is obviously you have some sort of health issues that can be affecting. Uh, mineral deficiencies is a huge one. So mineral deficiencies, it's so common today. Um, our foods are depleted. You know, people are, even though they might be in range lab 
lab wise, um, they're really deficient in a lot of things like magnesium, um, which plays a huge role in the body. Uh, well, same thing that affects the bones, you know, and affects the the teeth. Um, the enamels become more brittle; they become weaker. Um, in the cases of people that grind their teeth and have even TMJ problems, they're wearing out their teeth quicker. And in doing kind of this so much, you end up getting little fractures, um, sometimes microscopic fra fractures where bacteria can go in and kind of get stuck and start doing their thing. Then you start looking at diets, obviously processed foods, sugars, um, hygiene, etc. I've seen people that brush and floss and use the best and healthiest things out there and they still get cavities. And then other people that drink soda every day, don't brush their teeth, never flossed in their life, do all the worst things and they have zero cavities. <laughs> it's, it's unfortunate. Some people are just lucky <laughs> in that sense. But obviously all the external factors play into it and that causes you to get a cavity and have and determines how fast the cavity kind of progresses. And once it gets to a certain point, the cavity gets a little bit too deep. And at that point, you know, drilling out and trying to fix that sometimes can't be done because it's too close to the nerve. One, it could reach the nerve. Usually you have a lot of pain um, or it gets so close to the nerve that in trying to kind of clean that out, you're essentially going to make contact with the nerve and then the tooth is going to die. Those are the situations where root canals in the past normally would come in as the solution. But right now that's not the case. Sometimes people have a little cavity and they're like, oh yeah, let's do a root canal. You know, let's kill the tooth and you won't feel anything. You won't have any sensitivity anymore. Um, but here we try to, even when it's close to the nerve, sometimes we can kind of get really, really close, put like a little medication for a few weeks, see if the nerve calms down and everything's fine. And then we can still seal it up. And that just turns into like a filling or a, a restoration um, without us having to extract the tooth. It's more work. It also, they're cheaper. Or they're, it's not as expensive as a crown or obviously a root canal on a crown. Um, it takes more work. It takes a little bit more time. But at the end of the day, you, uh, you know, you're preserving the natural tooth and maybe it won't last you another 20 years, but at least you have a natural tooth for, you know, 10 years. But most places jump that they just go straight to the to the root canal. Now, I know most of the people coming to you, it'll be too late for this, but I do have a tooth protocol. I don't know if I've told you about this, Alessandro, but when yeah, I first yeah. started in this business, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was told that she needed a root canal. So we kind of invented a protocol. We did a double dose of our bone and joint formula. For those mm -hmm. who are in the know, that's the osteo effects. And we used the, the liquid for this. So two, two servings of it. And uh, colloidal silver swished in the mouth and coconut oil swished in the mouth. Organic coconut oil swished 15 minutes at a time, multiple times a day and the colloidal silver as much as possible. And yeah, two weeks later, I think, maybe two, three weeks later, we went back and confirmed that she no longer needed the root canal. And mm -hmm. since we've we've saved dozens of teeth that had uh, cavities or that had been told they needed a root canal with this, and since I've added uh, salt swishing to the list as well, just things that you could swish around the mouth that are generally antimicrobial and, and generally support the tissue somehow. I don't, I'm not sure how salt does it other than killing bacteria, but 
seems to all of these things be effective. And uh, I also added ginger, chew up ginger into a mush and leave it tucked up there against uh, the problematic tooth. Do that as much as possible until it loses taste, spit it out, chew up another piece of ginger. And uh, I don't know if they taught you anything about that in, in naturopath. Do they have any yeah. tooth protocols like that? <laughs> well, there's like a few things that have been recommended over the years. Um, you know, you're starting to see it a little bit more. What I think the most popular is like the oil pulling, right? With coconut oil. And you do see, you do see it helps the gums. It helps, you know, you're, like I mentioned, it's a, it's a microbiome of its own. So you're, you're providing the healthy bacteria there. There are stages where obviously if you waited until the problems become too big, it helps to control it. But sometimes you do actually have to go in and, you know, sometimes remove the tooth or do something else. But if you're using it preventatively or at early stages, yeah, it, it works really well. Here, one of the things we recommend when people have pain is uh, cloves. You know, people can like chew and place the clove on that area and it provides a lot of benefit um, with pain, uh, with pain and the infection, inflammation. Now, it's not going to get rid of the infection if it's in the bone already, but it's going to help control it to where you can get to us and um, and we can see you, right? And see what the next step would be. Um, but there's a lot of things, um, you know, like you mentioned, ginger. Ginger is used a lot. Um, there's a few products that have come out. Fortunately, some got bought out <laughs> by uh, big companies, but there's a few that are still out um, that have, you know, essentially all natural ingredients in there. Um, and everything from toothpaste to mouthwashes. And it helps to stabilize the bacteria in your mouth. And by doing that, you're lowering the inflammation of the mouth. You're lowering the plaque buildup. You're lowering, you know, the formation of cavities. And, you know, when you add in also things like diet and proper hygiene and things like that, I mean, we've seen people with small little cavities come back and the cavities are gone. There is a threshold where once it gets past kind of a certain point or a certain depth on the tooth, it it won't regenerate that much, but it definitely helps. It, and, and in some cases, small ones, I, we've seen that they disappeared essentially. So there's there's a lot of things that you, know, you can do both at home um, preventatively or even in acute situations if you have you know, you start having pain, you start having sensitivity. A lot of sensitivity in the teeth ends up being from receding gum lines. Um, the gums are one of the most sensitive tissues in the body. They're one of the best healing tissues, but one of the most sensitive. So a lot of times people, you know, are eating something, taking something, um, brushing incorrectly, and it's causing their gums to recede a little bit. So you have like the tooth and then the gum's supposed to be here and then it just recedes a little bit. And then now you have the root exposed and the root doesn't have the enamel to protect it. So when you eat something cold or you, you know, drink some hot tea or you even when you brush and the bristles are kind of touching there, you get sensitivity. Um, and it's not so much that the tooth is bad. It's that your gum got inflamed and receded a little bit. And a lot of these natural products, um, uh, the coconut oil and, and, um, and a, well, there's now a lot that you can do, helps to kind of clean up the area and let the gums heal 
before it progresses to the next step, which is, you know, formations of cavities in that area. Once you get a cavity in that area, it's very delicate because not only is it more sensitive and more pain, um, well, sometimes some people have cavities there and they don't have too much sensitivity, but it, um, it eats away quicker because there's no enamel, you know, it's just the second layer, which is dentine, uh, which is softer, it's more porous and it's closer to the nerve. Um, so you, it's more dangerous to get a cavity at the root of the tooth than it is to get at the top of the tooth. And that's something we always tell our patients, you know, it's uh, come in, obviously get the mercury fillings out, uh, root canals, things like that. And then after that, it's like, and there's cavities in the gum line area. You want to address those. You don't want to wait too long on those compared to a cavity at the enamel part of the tooth, the conventional like cavities that we think about. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So, we know that gums are essentially made of the same stuff as the teeth, or at least they need the same nutrients. Uh, to function, especially the minerals, the calcium, magnesium, and co, and uh, the fatty nutrients that we need to absorb those minerals. So we know that gums can be regrown, by the way, anyone listening who, you know, you have receding gums, you just said that receding gums are the number one cause of uh, sensitive teeth. And you better watch out, you go to the wrong dentist, they might try and do a root canal <laughs> for a sensitive tooth. I guess if they kill the tooth, then it's not sensitive anymore. Yeah, uh, that, hey. you'd be surprised how many we get of those. <laughs> So the gums can be regrown, and I want to throw you with a surprise question. I, I didn't prime you with any questions or anything. And I was going to ask, what do you think the uh, importance of brushing your teeth or flossing or all that oral hygiene stuff is compared to nutrition, both from what you know from school and from experience? Yeah. So in an ideal world, I would want to say brushing and you know flossing isn't as necessary uh maybe as it was in the past for the vast majority of people though you know eating processed foods and sugars and you know obviously there's more things in the environment if we want to go a little bit deeper than that you're you're dealing with more plaque buildup and more bacteria um and like i mentioned more um mineral deficiencies. So you do, I recommend brushing. Now you don't have to do crazy, you know, the electrical toothbrushes that vibrate at, you know, intense <laughs> frequencies and you don't have to do crazy brushing where like sometimes you see in movies, they're just jamming and uh, no, because that actually hurts the gums more. If you're getting a proper nutrition, if you are especially if you're doing everything else that we just talked about, you know, the oil pullings and using more herbal uh, products um, and rinses, 
then it's less of a priority, I would say. I would still recommend doing like a light brushing so you get just any plaque buildup that kind of forms in that area. And again, maybe it's more necessary now than it was in the past. And after certain meals, obviously, if you do feel like you have things stuck in between the teeth, that's where I would do the flossing, mainly just to remove that. And there's nothing that's stuck there that's going to trap more particles. And then you get like these little pockets there, right? But if you're doing proper nutrition, if you're, you know, getting um, whether nutrition or through supplements, uh, getting more minerals, more vitamins, more um, antioxidants in your body, you're also going to be producing a lot less plaque, you're also going to be producing, you know, a lot less inflammation and bacteria in your mouth. Um, And at that point, it's going to provide you more long term benefits. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know enough about the nutrition, don't know about the supplements, or in some cases, don't even believe in it, right? Um, unfortunately, a lot of the, I would say a lot of our health issues in our world right now, it's more the lack of proper information or the that there's too much misinformation. Um, you know, it's... You well, even and- something you said earlier, the doctor doesn't check your teeth. It's just seen as a as a separate entity. You got a tooth problem, you go to the dentist and it's like everything tooth related is isolated to you thinking about uh, the dentist industry. Yeah. And it's not connected I mean, to the health industry. It's not connected to the nutrition industry, not in the yeah. mainstream belief. I mean, look at like insurances in the US, dental and medical are separate. You know, you have medical insurance, you have dental insurance. And sometimes they bundle them together, but they're two separate insurances. So it's kind of like, well, okay. And then there's a whole political thing behind that, right? Between the ADA, MA, and groups like that. But at the end of the day, again, it's so separated that it's like, okay, go to your doctor. They're going to check your blood work. They're going to check this. They're going to look at your eyes. They're going to look in your ears. They're going to look in your, they'll look at your throat, but they just, skip kind of everything else and just go straight to the throat to see if you know you have an inflamed throat you have sore throat or pharyngitis things like that but you know if you have any infections in the bone or anything like that it's the doctor doesn't tell you hey you know what why don't you go and get an x-ray but get a get you know like a panoramic x-ray or 3d x-ray just to make sure you don't have any infections in your teeth or anything like that no he's gonna say go to the dentist go to the dentist and he won't rarely it's not true there are some mds i've met that do take it into consideration but it's not the standard you know they won't really associate that that will be the last on their list um they'll think it's you know something in the blood something in this something in that but the last thing on their list that they're going to kind of consider and look at is a lot of times the tooth and then they'll just send you to to the dentist and then dentist is obviously going to do their thing but again, a lot of times the dentist is just looking at that. You know, they're not going to look at the systemic effects of the mouth because that's the doctor's job. And you can kind of split that up with, you know, even in medicine with the different specialties, right? You know, there's always, we, I, in all the little accounts I follow of medicine, there's always the, the little memes about, you know, the cardiologist and the nephrologist fighting about which medication to give and what to do. Because the cardiologist wants to give you something for the heart, but it damages the kidneys. The cardio, the nephrologist wants to give you something for the kidneys, but it messes up the heart, you know, and it's 
that's kind of unfortunately how the medical system and and dental system has kind of fractured into where everything's just specialized and that doctor just looks at that organ or that area. And that's that's one of the reasons why when I had the opportunity to go back to school, I mean, I had the, the opportunity to go the MD route and I was like, well, you know, I know the holistic world. What if I go the MD route and, you know, just kind of power through it and, you know, have to do a residency and everything and, you know, maybe not be happy for a few years. But then when I get when I finish up and, you know, have all my certifications and licenses and everything, then I can start practicing, you know, again, holistically. But uh, I wasn't too happy with that decision kind of going that way. So once I found out about naturopathic medicine, which is kind of this medicine that similar to what we do here in the clinic, unites these different things. You know, they taught us primary medicine, like a family care or family physician, but they also taught us some chiropractic. They taught us, you know, IV therapies. They taught us uh, botanical medicine, things like homeopathy, a little bit of Chinese and, and, and Ayurvedic medicine. So that's what drew me to the naturopathic medicine. I was like, okay, that's still something that kind of combines all these different things. And if necessary, we refer you out, you know, if, if it gets to a point where I do need to refer out to a surgeon, a cardiologist, uh, you know, whoever, I can still do it, but without losing that connection to the patient. It's not like, oh, you have to go see the surgeon, he's going to do a surgery, and that's it, you know? No, like, you're still working with the patient in that sense. And that's how we practice here in the clinic. You know, if someone comes in for dental and they're being addressed for dental, we still have you, especially for surgeries and bigger things, we have you see the medical doctor and the medical staff, and they will do blood work and they'll do, you know, a consult. Or if they come in for medical and, you know, say like a cancer patient um, or a patient with autoimmune conditions, you know, yes, we're doing all these things, uh, the treatments, the IVs, the stem cells, everything, but we send you to the dental to check your mouth and see, hey, you know what? You also have metals in there. That could be affecting. Hey, you know what? You have root canals and especially look at these. These look infected. Here's the evidence too. It's not just us telling you. It's here's the x-rays. Here's the photos. So you can see and you can make an informed decision with all the information that we provide you. And we help you in, throughout that, you know, the whole process. We help you in prepping you. We help you obviously during the procedure and then as much as possible after the procedure. And that's that's how our clinic grew. It grew, you know, we started with the dental and then we added some medical and originally it's just like a few IVs. Um, and then people wanted, you know, a little bit more. And then we had the opportunity to grow again. And, you know, now we added partnered up with a, a chiropractor and we work with a lot of chiropractors and acupuncturists. And, you know, now we, we try to have as much as we can in house so that we can provide you that full healing and the full, full benefit while you're here. Um, instead of us just looking at one part of your body and then saying, Hey, you know what, you got to go over there and see someone else to check out your teeth and someone else over there to check out your heart and someone else over there to ask you about your mental state. Right. Now we try to do it as much as possible internally here. Should mention that the chiropractor that you guys have in-house is actually Dr. John Bergman. Several people listening probably would have seen him. He's doing pretty well on TikTok. He's uh, he's quite a character. He's he's very uh, larger than life 
man. So it's cool that you've got him there as well. And yeah, it's a little bit of a one-stop shop. Got a little bit of everything going on. You've mentioned research a few times. What kind of research is there out there about stem cells and mercury fillings being removed and stuff? And is this mainstream research or is this uh, obscure holistic research? <laughs> so originally it started off as more, I would say, obscure, or like small studies, clinical, you know, more of the clinical experience of doctors or small little studies that doctors would do in, with their patients, right? Not the control double blind studies with, you know, 100,000 people, obviously, because those type of studies require a lot of money, and a lot of financial backing, which can only be provided usually by, you know, pharmaceutical companies and private interest. Um, but a lot of the the newer research that has been coming out has been coming out in other countries. Um, so they're obviously the U.S. falls behind a little bit on this. And I don't know about Canada, but I, I, usually it's like Europe and now some Asian uh, uh, countries where you start seeing this. But the there's a few organizations that have kind of worked to put it together. So I know um, there's like the Institute of Functional Medicine that puts together. Um, they're not so much on the dental. They do just more general, but they I know they've had a few uh things because they they talk about a little bit of the dental in one of their kind of courses that they do but the big ones are the international academy of oral medicine and toxicology they do they gather research that's been done and uh i believe they also help um promote it um and they have been gathering information on everything from fillings to now root canals uh cavitations there's even some research around uh implants because that's another thing with uh whether titanium versus zirconium uh implants they gather kind of anything related to dental and toxicology they're the ones the i would say the number one right now um there's other smaller ones um uh they that they work very closely with them that also have been doing small research the thing is, again, to do a big research, you need a lot of financial backing and a lot of approvals that sometimes don't get approved, depending if you know what you're trying to research. Or you might be able to do something and then they get feed or pushback from which journals to submit to, right? Or accept them. Um, but I would say for research, uh, the best source right now is the IAONT, uh, the International Academy of Oral Medicine Toxicology. They have been working really hard in building up the, the database so that it's more accessible to people. Um, you'll find lots of books. I mean, um, Hal Huggins had books. Uh, Weston Price obviously had some books. Uh, and there's a lot of other doctors that have written books and done like case studies and and now, I mean, even if you just follow doctors online, you know, social media, the big thing right now, a lot of holistic dentists are starting to do just that. They, they're, they're not doing so much research, but they're showing like, hey, you know what? I removed this. I did a study on it. And this is what we found. Um, you know, the same bacteria is known to cause this, this and that. My patient had these symptoms, you know. There, hopefully we get to a point where one day we can do these large studies, but considering there it's going to be counterproductive and 
affect the finances of a lot of uh, places. I don't know. I don't know if we'll see it in our lifetime. Uh, they might just get slowly phased out, kind of like Mercury is right now. Yeah, it might cause a dent in the uh, dental industry. I yeah. should mention that I don't brush my teeth not not very often, and it's been that way for a very, very long time. You mentioned luck earlier. I do think I got lucky. I never liked soda pop or gum when I was a kid, mm -hmm. and I still don't, or beer, and I really yeah. don't drink very much either. But actually, recently, over the holidays, I'll admit, I was drinking about one or two glasses almost every day. And I noticed after a couple of weeks, this is very recent, after a couple of weeks, one of my teeth started to get sensitive and sore, like you said, right up near the gum where the teeth meets the gum. And I don't really do anything else uh, bad. You know, I don't have a lot of snacks or anything. I don't eat a lot of sugar, hardly any, all that stuff. So it's just the wine. I could tell it was very um, obvious that it was the wine. It was the only thing I changed. My tooth got sore. And so I stopped that about uh, a week ago. It's January 6th here. So about nine days ago, I, I ran out and I haven't had any. And yeah, my tooth is uh, back to 100% within within nine days. Didn't do anything different. But I have also been eating raw garlic recently. I've been experimenting with that. Okay. It's, uh, yeah. It take, takes some getting used to. But <laughs> it was burning that tooth big time. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a bacterial thing or if it was acidic alcohol. I don't, I don't know. But uh, maybe that helped it too because now it's... You know, it's it's fine, just like the other ones, without really any any brushing or flossing, just a little bit. Use just a tiny little bit of toothpaste, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things where, like I said, ideally I want to say we don't have to brush and this and that, but we live in a world where <laughs> I can't say that because a lot of people would end up having issues pretty quickly. Um, but again, you know, if you're working on your nutrition, on your supplements, you know, uh, People start seeing also when they when you start looking at what you eat and drink and how you feel, when you actually kind of pay more attention to that, people start noticing like, hey, you know what? Every time I eat this, I get, you know, tooth sensitivity or I get, you know, stomach aches or I get headaches. And, you know, that's the other part of people. And this is something more of the naturopathic medicine side, but we always talk about, you know, being aware because there's there's the common trigger foods, right? Um, the, you can look up a list of the top trigger foods and you'll find them and, you know, they're the more common ones, sure. But some people react to just the most random things. And that reaction can be anything from emotional to physical. And with the teeth, you know, you're like everything, you know, you can do a little bit of moderation on some things. But if you start noticing that you're all of a sudden, you know, from a week or two of eating something or, you know, changing your diet, and then you start noticing you're having pain, or you're having some sort of sensitivity. That's a good sign to tell you, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> maybe I was on the right track, uh, originally. But it's it's not a, it's not an answer. One answer is not the same for everyone. You know, um, that's where I recommend work with either a holistic dentist or, if you're looking at more just systemic health too, work with like a naturopathic doctor or a functional medicine doctor where they're going to take that into account and you can address, you know, um, things like trigger foods or you can address if you have any mineral or nutrient deficiencies, if you have any kind of underlying issues that might be contributing to other things, 
you know, one area I will say when they look in the mouth uh, medically is when you do have like, if you're anemic, you know, if you're anemic, they look at your gums, which is kind of uh, funny because it's like, you wait until that's like, oh, it's you having this issues. Let me look at your mouth now instead of let's look at your mouth to make sure you, you know, it's not uh, a let's, let's look at your mouth first, you know. But yeah, your gums, your gums change color pretty easily. Um, you know, if you have pale gums, if you have blue gums instead of like a pinkish red, that tells you a lot. So what, what does it tell you? Well, like anemia, right? I'll use the example of anemia. So a lot of people that are deficient in, in iron, B12, you see it in the gums. You see people getting gum recessions. You see people where if their gums get, you know, uh, hurt, it doesn't heal as fast as it should. Or they get a lot of bleeding gums. Um, a lot of people that have bleeding gums, it's not so much, not everyone, obviously, a lot of times periodontal issues, gingivitis, things like that. But a lot of times people have bleeding gums, and it's just because they're deficient. I mean, they're deficient in vitamin C, they're deficient in minerals, and um, like I mentioned, B12, iron. So they're all things that, you know, your mouth tells you a lot about your health. And that's why we can't not pay attention to it um, as much as conventionally or general medicine does you know it's 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 usually a lot of times it's one of the first areas that you see an underlying condition kind of happening if your gums start all of a sudden start bleeding start receding your teeth hurt your gums hurt eh, you know you might want to yes check the mouth but also maybe do a deeper dive into just your overall health because if it happens out of nowhere and especially if you're pretty diligent about your oral hygiene then it's probably an underlying condition that's affecting it, you know? And obviously if you have root canals and cavitations and mercury fillings in your gums, in your mouth, that's also contributing to it. So it's a bit of a vicious cycle because the uh, basically subclinical scurvy here with the bleeding gums, you know, that could cause you to have a cavity. Now you've got a cavity filled with a mercury amalgam and now that's leaching out further depressing the immune system which was already depressed because it was already vitamin deficient and now this could pile on to a much more serious problem you said earlier that you don't think it's going to cause the problem right away in the majority of cases and yeah i agree it's not like uh, you see that very often but i have been asking people our clients we have a questionnaire ask all kinds of things about them so that we can give them our advice our supplement advice and food and whatever else is relevant to them so, yeah, a couple of months ago, I added the, uh, do you have any fillings? Do you have any dental work done? Added that to the questionnaire. And mm. almost all, I think there's only been one person with a serious disease, cancer or, you know, hardcore Hashimoto's where they've got 25 symptoms and, and you know, they're 150 pounds overweight. All but one of those people had dental work done. And most mm. of them, it was it was several. They couldn't even tell me how many fillings they have. You know, I don't know, I've got tons of feelings, I've been having them for years. So it's not a definitive data set. It's not a data set at all. And since most people do have dental work done, it's a bit skewed. I know that. If 90% of people walking around have some dental work done, then by default, most of the people who come to us are going to have work done. But yeah, I am definitely seeing a correlation. And the people who do not have that serious of a problem, they've got something a lot more minor, they tend to not have any feelings. So... Mm -hmm. I see that uh, not as proof positive, but 
Definitely an interesting correlation. I think it's definitely one of the things keeping us down. And the root canal thing could be a lot more serious than even I appreciate, you know, with all that anaerobic bacteria back there. So if somebody has a chronic problem, you've got nothing to lose by removing one of the major sources, if not the biggest source of toxicity in your life. And if I had any feelings, I trust you guys. I know this is kind of one big commercial here, but I do need somebody to send people to. And I've been referring people to you guys because I can't do a, a root canal reversal. I can't do that. I can tell you about vitamins and minerals and the foods that you should avoid. We should all do this stuff anyways to have a healthy body and a healthy mouth. They're the same things. It's the same nutrients. You need to have a healthy mouth as you do a healthy immune system and skeletal system and all this stuff. But if you do have work that needs to be undone, you know, and, and I, it's unfortunate that the dental industry has done this, just like it's unfortunate that many people come to us with something that would have been pretty easily reversible, like scoliosis, for example. But they wandered into the regular mainstream medical world, and now you got plates fused into your spine for the rest of your life that I can't do anything about. At least in this case, you can do something about it. It's a hassle that you've got to, you know, basically do something twice. You already thought you were getting your thing fixed, right? Quote, unquote, I'm going to get my teeth fixed. Meanwhile, that created a uh, a whole new set of problems. So, Alessandra, I know you've got to go pretty soon. I just want to see if you can comment on the stem cells that you guys also do. There yeah. seems to be a lot of variation in quality of stem cells. Where do your stem cells come from? And what are some of the weird things that people do? Like, I, I know they advertise stem cells and sometimes they don't, they're not offering very much in terms of quantity. Is there a qualitative difference between different types of stem cells? What's up? Yeah. So um, that's a huge, <laughs> a huge area we can go into, but to kind of break it down. Well, first, the, the confusion, the confusion, at least um, in the States, I'm, I'm not sure about Canada, but I believe they're follow kind of similar to the United States. The live like stem cells are where it's only really used for research purposes. A lot of that were from like, I think in the 90s, some laws were passed because there was the fear that stem cells were from embryonic tissues, right? You had to kill fetus to produce the stem cells. There is that type of stem cells that is not used in anywhere as far as I know, um, at least not in this part of the world. But stem cells are the cells before they start differentiating into the different tissues. You can make, or you, everyone has stem cells. Obviously, with our age, we lose some. Um, we start producing less and less better quality. But you can produce stem cells from basically any tissue in the body. The thing is, the most common ones are, when you do your own, they are from bone marrow or from fat tissue. So they have to do like a liposuction and you send it to a lab and do that, uh, convert that. Or the other ones, uh, which we use here for the most part, are from donated umbilical cords. So these are stem cells that uh, the doctors we work with, they are OBGYNs, gynecologists that do have a screening protocol. When a patient comes in for... It's going to have a baby and it's going to be, a, it has to be a C-section. They go through all that screening. And if they're a candidate, then they're offered to donate their cord. And the reason it's donated 
is because we are associated with a research university here in Mexico, and the cord is used uh, for research purposes, but we can use part of it to produce stem cells for treatments. So what happens is we use those to produce the stem cells. Now, in the U.S., and um, and I think this is why I mentioned, uh, I think in Canada too, what they promote as stem cells a lot of times is more um, exosomes uh, because of the regulations and, and everything. But exosomes is just a like a byproduct of the stem cells. It's something the stem cells secrete. It's a little messenger chemical. Um, they do have benefits. They do help but they are kind of a level or two below the actual stem cell treatments. It's just, that's where the confusion comes in. So we get a lot of people that come in and say, Hey, you know, I had stem cell treatment and it was, you know, so many thousands of dollars and it didn't help, you know, or helped a little bit. And we're like, Oh, once we researched like where they did it, we're like, okay, no, well it's exosomes treatment. Right. So what we do here is the full stem cells. The stem cells are providing uh, a lot more benefits and they also do provide the benefits of the exosomes because they do produce them. Um, but they help to regenerate tissue. They help to lower inflammation and they help to modulate the immune system. What that means is if you have something that's depressing your immune system, it helps to essentially raise your immune system. But in conditions like autoimmune conditions where your immune system is hyperactive, sometimes you're having these flare ups it helps to bring it down to like the baseline. So here we use stem cells for basically anything uh, with the exception of cancer. Uh, with cancer, you have to do a treatment, a cancer treatment first. And once that treatment's done, then you can start the stem cells. But for everything else, you can, we use it for diabetes. We use it both uh, autoimmune caused or from diet and, and lifestyle. It helps with regeneration of joints. So we get a lot of like ex-military uh, athletes that have worn out joints. They have old injuries. We can do the stem cells directly into the joint and we can do them in IV. So you get the systemic benefits. Uh, but we see the two areas where we see the most improvements. And I would say the most patients we've been seeing are neurological conditions. A lot of Parkinson's, a lot of MS. We've been having really good results with MS uh, to a point where we've actually seen regrowth of myelin sheath. And MS is another one that is very connected to your oral health. Um, a lot of patients that come in with MS have uh, metals and root canals. So that's part of our treatment is to address the mouth while they're also doing or before or after doing the stem cell treatment, usually before the stem cell treatment. But autoimmune conditions also helps a lot. Um, you know, we had a patient the other day that had um, diabetes, but related to an adult onset of autoimmunity where the immune system attacked the pancreas. With the stem cells, you know, you're not going to fully regenerate the pancreas and they're not going to have to take insulin ever again, not, not to that extent, but it helps to regenerate the tissue of the pancreas. It helps the function of the pancreas. Um, which in turn leads to less use of insulin. Um, and then it also helps with all the secondary effects that um, that condition causes, the ret retinopathy, so damage to the eyes, damage to the kidneys, damage 
you know, to the to the liver, all of that gets regenerated by the stem cells. So one of the benefits is since we're an approved uh, site to, well, we have an approved lab um, in association with the university and approved by the Mexican government. We're one of the few, and I think one of maybe like two areas here that has their own on-site labs to where we can actually produce the stem cells and apply them which guarantees the amount of stem cells you're getting and the viability. So most places that are doing stem cells are buying stem cells, which are being shipped to them from, in the case of Mexico, they're being shipped from like Mexico City, where all the labs are at. But the thing is, they have to freeze them, put them in the bio, transport them. We used to use those back before we had the lab. And when we had them tested by a research lab, they were eight to 10% of what they were essentially selling us. Um, why? Because, you know, they die in the process of transport. They die in the process of freezing. The lab sometimes, you know, there's recommended like how many generations of stem cells you produce. Some, you know, will just keep producing them. So it's kind of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. You start degrading the quality of it. We don't do that. You know, we, we do a few generations and then that's it. We make a new batch. Um, most places to obviously save money and, and everything will just keep reproducing them. So once we started switching to using our own in-house stem cells, um, we have all the machines to quantify the, the that we're actually putting the amount and the quality we're, we're uh, advertising, which is another benefit you won't find really anywhere. But the benefit is you'll see places selling stem cell treatments where they're doing um, 100 to 300 million stem cells in a treatment. And then we do like 50 million and we get the same or better results than the 300 million. And why? Because you're actually getting the 50 million and not 8 to 10% of the 300 million, right? 8 to 10% uh, is pretty disappointing. It is, especially when you're paying thousands of dollars for a treatment. Um, and then another thing that we do here is we prep the body. So you know, our treatments, we recommend at least three days for like the IV treatments. We do, we run blood work first. We do uh, some detox and chelation IVs first. And then we start building up your immune system and your body with nutrients. And then we do the application of stem cells because the stem cells, what they are, they're essentially the workers. You know, they they are the the engineer that's going to show up or the worker that's going to show up to a construction site and work. Right. But the minerals, the vitamins, the amino acids, that's the tools and the materials they use to patch up the holes and build up, you know, the infrastructure. So a lot of places will do these stem cell treatments where you just go one day, you get like an injection or you get an IV or, you know, um, and that's it. And it's like, thank you, and head home, you know. But here we actually prep the body and build it up. And honestly, the results we've been getting are really amazing. Our medical director has been working with stem cells for 12 years now. She has worked in everything from fertility to sports medicine to um, uh, chronic disease. So here we've been doing a little bit of everything and we've been having really amazing results. We are also um, starting to incorporate exosomes and stem cells in the dental to regenerate bone tissue when there's been a lot of bone loss to be able to regenerate that tissue in that area. 
And because of its immune uh, modulating and inflammation, anti-inflammatory properties, it helps. I mean, we get people obviously that come in and say, I don't want to get my root canal removed because it's the two front teeth. And if they don't look infected right now, I want to keep it as long as possible. And, and you know, and it's like you respect the decision. We give you all the information. But when you do something like a stem cell treatment, you're providing the body with more defenses and properties for it to protect itself against something like the root canal. That doesn't mean I recommend leaving the root canal in, um, but it helps with even things like that where, you know, it's not the ideal situation, but it provides some benefit, you know, but we see amazing results with anything with joint degeneration, um, autoimmunity, neurological. Um, and then obviously we get people that come in that just want to keep feeling healthy and, and use it for preventative or like the anti-aging effects. And, uh, Prices are very reasonable, to be honest, um, for for real stem cell treatments like the ones we do here. Other places are charging twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Here, our packages. Well, we do also like just standard joint, and there's also like aesthetic things that ranges from like twelve hundred to two thousand. And then the bigger treatments with the IVs, uh, the IV stem cells. Uh, we do hyperbaric oxygen and uh, session with a, a, a physiotherapist. Those packages, they're usually around like 6,000 seven, to 7,000 for three to five days. And people have been really happy. I mean, I've seen people come in who essentially are in a wheelchair and are very limited in walking. And then a few months later, when they come in for their follow-up, they're walking with a cane. Um, they're describing how their pains are going away. And, and you'd be surprised. Some people come in for like GI issues and you do stem cell therapy and they're like, Hey, you know what? Like my hands don't hurt anymore. And, and I sleep better. And, you know, um, there's a lot of cognitive, uh, benefits too. We've been, um, we've been getting a lot of like autism lately. And there's actually some studies now being done on autism and, and stem cell research. Um, so stem cell research is still in outside of the US or the Western world, I should say, it's it's a lot bigger. Exosomes, which is the big thing in, in US and Canada right now, it's 30 or 30 years old. You know, if you talk to doctors that are practicing this type of regenerative medicine in Europe, in uh Asia's been growing a lot in this too. Um, there they were like, I used to do exosomes, you know, in the 80s and 90s, you know, like it's not new. For the U.S., it's newer technology, right? But the rest of the world has been using or uh, stem cells with exosomes, with peptides, with all these other treatments for a lot longer um, with really amazing results. I mean, that's why you always hear, you know, celebrities or you don't always hear it, but you, you hear little rumors of like, oh, a celebrity went to this place in like Germany or Switzerland and, you know, they got these amazing treatments that no one hears about. Well, it's... It's essentially that, but it's not just for celebrities anymore. Um, you know, you now there's affordable places that can do these treatments sometimes even better or with, you know, or like in our case where we can combine it with chiropractic and dental at the same time. And you get these really amazing results at a fraction of the cost. And, you know, and some people say like, oh, I don't know about investing $6,000 in a treatment like this, but, you know, we always say, look, you know, it's your choice, but also look at, you know, the consequences of 
not addressing like some of these autoimmune conditions is they get worse, they progress more. Um, and then you're ending up taking biologics, you know, medications, which are full of side effects, depress your immune system and suppress just the symptoms. While with stem cell treatments, you know, is it going to get you to hundred percent more than, you know, more than likely uh, with a lot of conditions, it probably won't, but it's definitely going to improve your quality of life. And it's in a lot of cases, it's going to actually give you more benefit long-term than just kind of suppressing everything with medications or in the case of surgeries, because sometimes we get people that come in and they're like, Hey, you know what they recommended? I need knee surgery. And we look, and especially there's some cartilage still there. Oh man, it works amazing. It'll help regenerate that tissue. And then you don't have to have a surgery, you know, does that mean in 30 years, you're not going to have a surgery? We don't know. Right. But it's definitely going to help with the symptoms and more than likely at, at worst prolong, you know, that quality of life, you know, for, for years. So, yeah, so that's another area where we have been working with a lot uh, now for a few years, but with our staff that's been working on it for over a decade now, and now we're starting to incorporate it again as in this clinic. Um, we started incorporating it also with the dental, um, with our chiropractic patients. Uh, so we've been having really, really amazing results when people start doing all these different things to address all the facets of their health instead of just focusing on one thing at a time, you know? Why did you say you don't do stem cell treatment for people with cancer? There is still a little controversy with it, I would say. Some studies have found that the stem cell treatments, the, the mesenchymal stem cells that we use, don't affect cancer at all. The fear, and it's an older fear, it's the fear that you're adding something that's obviously healing and helping to reproduce tissue. And promotes cancer growth. Likes to reproduce. Yeah, you might reproduce it. But some studies have actually started showing that that's not the case. In fact, that they might help a little bit because it helps with the inflammation and the immune system. The only thing is in Mexico, for us to have the permits from the government, that is their kind of one requirement, is the don't put stem cells if someone has cancer until they've kind of done a treatment, you know, or, or have been cleared and they're in remission kind of thing. Are we worried it's going to reproduce the, the cancer? Honestly, not really. Um, it's not what's shown to kind of be the situation. But... As a precaution right now, that's what we have to do. However, again, kind of what I started mentioning about thing I got too into it, when you hear stem cells, stem cells is very broad. There's different types of stem cells. There's different ways you can make stem cells. Um, but there's different, and again, there's different types of stem cells. There's stem cells that are used for regenerative medicine, which is what we are pioneering and, and doing a lot of right now. But there's also stem cells that are specifically used for cancer treatments. And these are used throughout the world, again, for cancer treatments for 20, 30 years now, more probably. Um, they are like the dendritic cells, the NK killer cells, which are just a different type of stem cells, which are essentially targeting the cancer growth, the tumor in your body. 
we weren't doing too, too much with cancer uh, up until a few years ago. And now we were working with doctors in the areas that's specialized in those types of like immunotherapies. That's what they're usually called. So now we're starting to uh, work in producing those same cells so we can have that option here. But the regenerative uh, stem cells that we use from the umbilical cord Right now, it's mainly because of the permits and just legality. Uh, that's the one thing we can't uh, apply those treatments. Not necessarily like if you have lab work done and you have some tumor markers, that's also something we check and see. And it has to be like above a certain amount where it's not recommended also. Um, because you can have tumor markers and things like that from other conditions, uh, prostatitis, you can have some like ovarian cysts can cause and it looks like you have ovarian cancer but it's just false positive so all that's what we check on the first day when we do our initial consult for um for our stem cell patients all right and i'm gonna let you go i've got a bunch more questions here written down so i'm just gonna pick one last question here okay if somebody is very old and frail and let's say they're also sick let's say they have cancer as well and they mm -hmm. have a mouthful of metal, old root canals and crowns and all, all kinds of stuff. This very frail elderly person, would they be in a situation where you would not remove their fillings or the root canals? Would they be too weak? Is that something that you have to consider? Do you have to be nice and strong and relatively healthy to handle it? Or is there any risk of the immune system sort of flaring up if you did this type of mm -hmm. procedure on somebody who is already very weak or immune compromised? So it's a, it'll be like a little bit more of a case on case or case by case situation because we, I mean, I would say uh, a big or uh, population of our percentage of our patients are, you know, older and have a lot of health issues. In situations like that, it depends on how frail they are and exactly what we're doing. Uh, with feelings, there's still a little bit of wiggle room. We normally in that case kind of split up the work instead of doing too much work at once. We'll do like one little quadrant and then on another day or another visit, do like another quadrant and just do it in parts, right? Obviously taking all the precautions before we would see that patient. We also do a medical intake and check everything from vital signs to possibly blood work, check medical history, make sure, make sure to see like where where if we had to kind of strengthen him up a bit um, before we start anything, or we just have to take it slower, right? In the cases where it gets a little bit more of a sensitive or touchy is when you have to do the surgeries. So if the patient already has root canals, has infections, we have to do extractions, and especially like major infections where we have to scrape a lot of bone, that's where we would kind of really evaluate the case. And we see this also with cancer patients. Sometimes people have cancer and they're kind of in treatments for cancer, but they have these major infections in the mouth. And you kind of run into this whole like, well, we want to address the infections of the mouth because they're affecting your health and they're affecting how also successful the treatment's going to be in your recovery. But at the same time, you're going through this pretty intensive treatment sometimes. And, uh, and this is where we work, uh, reach out and work with the doctors that are treating them if it's an external patient, right? But sometimes we do have to kind of build up the patient's immune system, their health a little bit. Uh, in the cases of surgery, sometimes we do have to do like one tooth, one area, just kind of clean that out. 
unfortunately it means more surgeries for the patient, but it's it's also a way that we can kind of get everything done in a way that's not going to be detrimental to their health too, right? And um, But we work very closely, like I mentioned, besides our doctors here with specialists that can come in. So in patients that have been a little bit more complicated, I mean, we have anesthesiologists that can come in for sedations and they do a full intake also. We work with cardiologists that come in and do a full, you know, uh, checkup on the patient's cardiovascular health. And we, if they find anything, then we work with them on how we would kind of proceed with, say, like a surgery. Um, and everything obviously is disclosed to the patient, to their families, the final decisions theirs. Um, if there's anything that's a little risky, we always tell you what all the risks are and what the benefits are and what are the possible side effects. And if, you know, patients clear or says, you know what? Yeah, I, I want to get these infections out. I, I think it's not, it's, I think it's making my health worse. Then we'll find the way to kind of work with them. And luckily, I mean, we, over the years, we've had really complex cases come up and we've always been able to find a solution. Um, but sometimes it does require a little kind of waiting, a little, uh, modifying the treatment plan a little bit, um, but always with working with all the different specialists and doctors and uh, sometimes from here, from Mexico, and sometimes your doctor from back home that we coordinate with them too, especially if they're on like certain medications or things that might be affecting the treatment too. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's again, case by case, but we, we definitely can address it. All right. Interesting. So, Dr. Alessandro Porcella, thank you so much for joining me. And, of course, you can see all their services on AmericanBioDental.com. That is, of course, in the description of this podcast as well. And you guys have another website, HolisticCare.com, for the, the medical stuff, the IVs and stuff. You guys going yeah. to merge those uh, websites together at some point? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, we get asked that a lot. The, the reason is we started with the dental, and our dental is really well-known. Um, it's, uh, we get a lot of doctors and we go to conferences and we have patients. And then later on, we started with the uh, holistic care because it, it just encompassed more than dental. But over the years, whenever we try to merge, people get confused and they're like, oh, you don't do dental anymore. You don't do this or, or you just do dental. You don't do medical. So we've kept them separate. Unfortunately, we've had, uh, uh, certain clinics that opened up in the last few years and in, in our area that also kind of copied off our name. And uh, there's a couple that like combine parts of both names and it's caused some confusion. So right now we've, we've kept them separately, um, but essentially it's the same clinic. We're located in the same location. Um, the only thing is on one website, we focus more on the holistic dentistry and on the holisticcare.com. We have um, the the medical, the stem cells, um, the cancer treatments, everything else. But they're all in the same location. It's the same number, essentially. If you call, you can have them transfer you from one to the other. It's all internal. But, um, but we do have two Instagrams and two Facebooks because of the same thing. That's just Got unfortunately the, how I ended up. But it, it, it's... It's fine because some people, some people really want to learn about the stem cells and they, they, you know, we work on 
putting that on our medical side and not kind of saturating one website with too, too much information. Cause I mean, over the 24 years, we ended up doing growing and doing a lot more than what we originally kind of envisioned. So it can get a little overwhelming for some people. So, but yeah, both are in the same location. And if you come in for medical and you have questions or you want to get a checkup on dental, all you just have to do is let us know. And, you know, we can, we can get you to the other side. And I mean, yeah, it's it's the same clinic, essentially. <laughs> and of course, you can contact the clinic on either website for a free consultation. And yeah, I'm really happy with the service. should mention that when you when you get picked up to come into Mexico, you don't even have to stop at customs. It's very, very convenient. You just fly through. You do have to deal with customs on the way back. But it is great that you pick people up because I would probably be a little bit nervous driving around in Tijuana for the first time. And maybe having to get car insurance for it or something like that. So it's, it's just a great service. Pick you up, drop you off for free. And of course, if you do a consultation with them, you definitely want to mention that you heard it from not us to get $50 off if you spend at least $400, which is about the price of getting a filling refilled with a safe material. Once again, not us is your referral code for $50 off if you spend at least $400. Alessandro, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to let you get out of here. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you once again, man. Take care. And of course, remember that you can always find everything that I do on notusbooks.org, including all the books that I've written and helped publish. There's hundreds of book reviews on the website. Most of them are about health. And there's an archive of this podcast on the website where you can download all the episodes for free. There's even some secret episodes there that are not posted elsewhere. And on the archive versions, there's actually a special treat at the end. So if you are listening on the archive, stick around after I sign out. And if you do want our health advice, me and my team, we also have free consultations. Our contact page is in the description of this podcast. On that page, there's a questionnaire. You can take that and email it to the coach of your choice. You can see we've got a bunch of coaches there. And we'll give you our best advice on supplements food, and anything else that's relevant to your case. That is free. We will make money if you do buy the supplements, but the advice is free. And if you want to support this podcast directly, you can do so on patreon.com slash therealnotus. Again, that's in the description as well. We do appreciate it. Everyone who is here as a guest or who helps edit, all of us do this for free. And anything we promote is all commission-based. Nobody's paying me to read an ad or to promote their dental clinic. So the Patreon does support us directly and you get all the episodes up there at least one week early and possibly several weeks early if I'm really on top of things. You also get the video version when it's available, including this episode here is on video. And there's some other stuff on the Patreon as well. Our weekly Zoom meetings, the distributors and I, where we go deep into certain health problems and specific nutrients and look over a lot of case studies and talk about them together, what we would do. Very valuable there for pretty detailed information. And there's even some videos that have been taken off of YouTube all on the Patreon. Big thank you to the patrons who do currently support. And I think that about does it for this episode, guys. I appreciate you. Stay healthy. Until next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.